In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Why does it seem that God only answers certain prayers? Why is, that, why is it that we wonder if we have asked God for the right thing, at the right time, and with the right intention? Today's gospel seems to bring more confusion to the mind as we see two men both offer their prayers to God, and yet only one is justified before God and his prayer accepted by him. The publican's prayer becomes a model for men according to the very words of our Lord himself. I tell you, this man went back at his home justified rather than the other. What were the characteristics of this prayer for God to accept it as a worthy offering? Did he even ask anything to God other than simply acknowledging his sinful life? No, nothing else. The publican seems to have received in his heart and to have engraved on his mind the words of our Lord, Without me, you can do nothing. His simplicity and his humility are the most efficient means to penetrate into the heart of a God-made man and to receive from his open side a flow of mercy. Too often in our resolution to become saints and not to sin anymore, we find ourselves lacking of what would actually constitute the very source of what would make us holy rapidly and lastingly. That is, true humility and simplicity. A spiritual author once wrote, People who mistakenly think that they can become holy just by making up their minds to do so, often become quite scandalized when they finally tackle the job. They are shocked to find that, even after making up their minds to be holy, they can still fall or come very close to falling into serious sin. That they have been living in the daydream world stands out clearly in their actions, in their reaction to sin or strong temptation. How could I do such a thing? They are shocked, not so much at the sin as they are of their wickedness. Weakness. How could that happen to me? And the antithesis of this truth can be found indeed in the writings of the great apostle of the Gentiles, St. Paul. Nothing is beyond my powers, thanks to the strength God gives me to the Philippians. I am well content with these humiliations of mine, with the insult, the hardships, the persecutions, the times of difficulty I undergo for Christ. When I am weakest, then I am strongest of all Corinthians. This shock reaction in us really grows out of a lack of humility. And the intro of the Mass points out how God always answers the petition of the humble soul. Cast your care upon the Lord and He will support you. Hearken, O God, to my prayer. Turn not away from my pleading. Give heed to me and answer me. So let us take a closer look at the notion of prayer and its forms. In his letter to Timothy, St. Paul writes, I ask that petition, prayer, entreaty, and thanksgiving 
should be offered for all mankind. It is my wish that prayer should everywhere be offered by the men. They are to lift up hands that are sanctified, free from all anger and dispute. So the com community of Ephesus was asked to offer a quadruple tribute to God, a petition, a prayer, an entreaty, and thanksgiving. The petition first, which is the proper attitude of the one in need, of the one who acknowledges his deficiency and the necessity for him to have recourse to another in order to receive from him what he needs. The prayer now, the second word, oratio, prayer, which is prayer in its most general form, a call to God, an elevation of the mind, of our mind and our soul to Him, with the desire to unite ourselves to Him. The next form of prayer is the entreaty or intercession, addressed to God but for others, where the soul intimately unites itself to God but for the interest and the good of our neighbor. And finally, thanksgiving, the thanksgiving prayer, act of gratitude and confidence. And it's interesting that the word used for that by St. Paul in Greek is Eucharistia, Eucharist. Prayer is, for me, an outburst from the heart, says St. Therese of the Little Flower. It is a simple glance darted upwards to heaven. It is a cry of gratitude and of love in the midst of trial as in the midst of joy. In a word, it is something exalted, supernatural, which delates the soul and unites it to God. Sometimes when I find myself spiritually in dryness, so great that I cannot produce a single good thought, I recite very slowly an Our Father or a Hail Mary. These prayers alone console me. They suffice. They nourish my soul. Again, this is St. Therese. She says it all. <clears throat> Humility and simplicity in her prayers that brings peace to the soul. So prayer isn't a kind of hard and demanding metaphysical effort, since very few could actually pray if it was such a case. But prayer is simply to believe that God is, He is present, and this as much and as long as we can. We should keep in mind this present, presence. Even in a terrible agony, one can still utter in his heart, Father, Abba, and therefore we'd always be able to pray until our last breath. We can always be in the presence of God. Or, more precisely, we cannot escape from God's presence. If this relation would cease, of course, we wouldn't exist any longer. But this, however, is not enough for our prayer, our petitions, our conversation with God. To be, It needs to be conscious and animated, that is, lively, not passive and sleepy, moved by the theological virtues of faith, hope and charity. And the secret of perpetual prayer is to make this practice of virtue perpetual and constant, renewing it. Their practice will develop a habit, a habit of prayer. As the body needs food and needs to exercise in order to grow and get stronger, 
so of course does the soul. Prayer is that daily food for our soul. And this is why when our prayer life is too weak, our moral life starts going downhill and might finally also kill the soul because of a mortal sin. So examine your spiritual life and see how when giving up your prayer life or maybe neglecting your prayer life in a way or another, when putting aside all form of meditation or mental prayer, or when praying simply out of a pure duty, to check the box, out of routine, everything, look, and look how everything around starts falling apart. And nature slowly regains its rights to the detriment of our own good. And in these times of uncertainty and great evil, I encourage you to examine yourselves and see what is your attitude while praying. Is my prayer life confident but humble in that the good Lord will provide in due time and in the best way for me? Or has my prayer life become a mechanical and tasteless exercise of the will, only expecting the answers I want to receive? When we are humble, we see that we can do nothing spiritually good without God's help. When we see that we cannot do nothing of ourselves, we begin to pray hard and regularly. When we are humble, we take no chances on occasions of sin. When we become truly humble, we thank God for forgiving us past sins and beg Him to preserve us from future sins. A contrite and humble heart, O God, Thou wilt not despise. May our prayers then be always pleasing to God. May we learn from the saints and martyrs of the past that form of prayer that brought floods of mercy upon men from that paternal love of a God crucified for our sins. Let us make ours this offertory prayer. To you I lift up my soul, O Lord. In you, O my God, I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. No one who waits for you shall be put to shame. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.